Mr. Bone, when is the last time you listened to an episode of WBH Radio? Hmm, that's a good question. It was sometime probably this summer. I've okay. Been, I've been kind of a little dealing with under the weather, so. I hear you. How'd I do? Great. You're much better in per, on the radio and then when you you're kind of shy when you talk to me sometimes off off the radio, but here this is your, this is your environment. This is my environment. Well, I try and I know this is uh this is your first podcast appearance? Absolutely. So I told myself I'm gonna try to bring my A game. Give you the best show, man. So let's do it. You're listening to WBH Radio. I'm your host, William Holly. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, anybody that knows me knows I'm not really a fan of any particular team. You know, I kind of really don't get fandom. Like, you mean to tell me we're going to cheer for this team no matter how good or bad they are, no matter how on the squad, how many people is on the squad? But there has been a team that I found myself cheering for multiple times over the years because of their personnel, because of their identity. And that's the Baltimore Ravens. And I thought it would be cool to invite one of the biggest Ravens fans I know. In fact, he's the head of a whole household of Ravens zealots, uh, Mr. Otis Bowen. Welcome to the show, sir. What's up? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Now, your fandom is due in part to you living in close proximity to the squad. You're down there in the Maryland area, correct? Yeah, that was the suburbs of Maryland. Okay, okay. Suburbs of, suburbs of Baltimore. And the Ravens, when you compare them to some of the more traditional squads like the Giants and the Cowboys, they're relatively new. Yes. Uh, historically, yes. 1996 was their first year. What do you remember about the first time you learned your city was going to get an NFL franchise? Well, I wasn't uh, born in Maryland, but when I relocated and uh, started my family, I always wanted to, to be a a fan and go to a game right. of, a, of a sports team. So around 96, I kind of saw that, I think it was Governor Schaefer was uh, doing a tour and trying to get the team back because Jacksonville kind of got the next choice of teams. So they, um, I forgot how they announced it, but I just heard that we did get the team after Jacksonville and next thing we had to name the team. Now, I'm sure that was exciting, but it was... It was just the Browns being repackaged and shipped to the East Coast and put in black and purple jerseys. Was that, did that kind of like temper some of your excitement? Like, oh, it's just the Browns? <laughs> uh, well, for me, I knew that I was going to uh, approach it as I'm going to see other professionals all right. over the league. Right. So initially, yes, it did tamper it down. <laughs> and the fan base had been watered down because you had a, a void for a while. Mm -hmm. So you had some people, you know going over to the Steelers, and that's why you will see a lot of uh, Steeler fans in, in Maryland. Uh, but it, it did tamper it down, but I just uh, I just was ready to start seeing other players around the league, and that's kind of how I approached it when I went to the games as well. Right. I didn't know the players on Baltimore. <laughs> and your family, you've been season ticket holders for how long now? Uh, since six, since they started. We had... Uh, once we were trying to get the team to, to get the promo promotion to mm -hmm. show the league that the city wanted to, you know, to support the, the fan base of the team, we put up money and I put up uh, around $250 and I had a down payment before tickets before we even had the team. So I was on and had season tickets from, you know. From the jump. From the jump. What do you remember about your first time attending a Ravens game in person? Old stadium. Mm -hmm. Uh, what stadium is this? Uh, old Memorial Stadium in okay. Baltimore, where I think the Colts the Colts used to play. I'm sure, okay. and uh, and the Orioles, I think. But um, it was an old stadium. You know, had a trial. 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, small uh, hallways. Uh, but the fan base is an organic fan base. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. Once you took that team and once they got it back, we were parking on the streets and alleys and people's backyards, mm-hmm. paying for parking. That's just how much people wanted to go watch this team in their first year. Whatever it took to get it done. Uh, do you remember the, the first opponent that you seen them play in person? Did they win? Did they lose? What was that like? I feel like the first opponent was the Oakland Raiders. Okay. Uh, but, again, um, it's hard to remember other than they offense not good. You had March Abroda. Okay. Uh, so, you know, uh, there was no Burt Jones or nothing. So you um, – Mark Chaproda, that was the coach? I think he was – I believe he was our first coach okay. coming over. Uh, that, it seemed like a safe pick to him. Right. Uh, you know, he was established the name. I think he was the old coach, uh, coach as well. Okay. And uh, he came over. So the offense was kind of boring. You were getting like 13-7 games, mm-hmm. you know, 7-6 or something like that. It was very boring, just really hard and those gritty football watching. Not the kind of stuff I would see, you know, on – Today. Okay. Well, let's fast forward to today. The offense is not traditional, right? You got one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league. But this season, your team is 5-3. and three. Now, it's not the worst record. It's decent. They're still number one in the division. They still have a chance to do great things. But I'm alarmed by this because this 5-3 and three is mediocre, subpar, underachieving. I already mentioned you got one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in perhaps NFL history. And in those three losses, the team was up in the fourth quarter of each of those games. And they choked it away. So this 5-3 and three record, in my opinion, is bad. What say you, Mr. Bowen? Well, first of all, it's hard to win a football game in the league. Uh, so it, if you're out there on the field and on ground level, you can see how crazy it is. But I think the five and three, uh, the the problems we had are are fixed. I I believe that um, I, they they've gotten control of it. Fixed? Uh, How? Well, I wouldn't say fixed. They've gotten control of. They stopped the bleeding because you have some of our running backs coming back. You're going to start seeing a more uh, traditional, uh, just grind it out uh, ball control offense. And the the things, hey, they were exploited uh, weaknesses. They, they, they coach, too. They, they work out, too. They exploited some weaknesses. And I think a lot of the teams, they had adjustments better in the second half. And I think that's been going on for a while. What do you think was the biggest weakness? The biggest weakness is your edge. If you're not pressuring the quarterback, most quarterbacks, they can send out four wideouts, four receivers. And they're gonna, if you give them four or five seconds, they're going to find someone open. It's mm-hmm. a large field. So we're trying to... And our tackling. And I think that the problem with the, um, you know, the, the practice limitations, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's not tackling, it takes people a while to learn how to, you know, get good wrap-ups during the season. I think it took a while. But overall, I, I'm okay with our team and our philosophy uh, as long as we stay healthy. The defense, you pointed out. Which leads me to my number one conspiracy theory of the podcast. Ozzy Newsom. Long-time general manager of the Ravens who stepped down in 2018. He was actually a Hall of Fame tight end. This is the architect of some of the greatest defenses in NFL history. He stepped down in 2018, and and, and the, the Ravens organization tried to sell us as if, like, oh, this was a, a group decision. I believe Ozzie Newsom was fired. 
And my evidence is the poor defenses that they've had over the years. Ozzie Newsom went and got Ray Lewis in the draft, Ed Reed in the draft, Chris McAllister in the draft, Terrell Suggs, ball so hard. Got all these players in the draft. And now these last couple of years, especially this year, the defense has been subpar. And they try to convince me that Ozzie Newsom is up there still helping out. No, no, he's somewhere in the office playing with paper clips. He doesn't have any power or any th- authority. So that's my number one conspiracy theory for the pocket. Ozzie Newsom was fired. And it's evident by this subpar defense that the Ravens are putting on the field. What say you, Mr. Bowen? Well, of course, everyone goes and looks back at the, the draft class. And they are always, even now in the city, is their comparison to how Ozzy did it mm-hmm. and how DaCosta did it. Right. So, I mean, there was some issue about them, you know, training DaCosta right. to coming up. So it's hard to say if, if that was the case, but, you know, because of his age, he's been around. I, you know, I saw him in the camp and stuff years and years ago right. when they first started. So I'm not sure if he was tired or not, but I do know that the, the, the jury is still out on these drafts between what he did and what they did. For sure. Which one of these losses was most disappointing? The loss to the Bills, the loss to the Dolphins, or the loss to the New York Giants? Well, the Bills. Really? Because because the Bills, we always, you know, we don't, you know, Baltimore, they don't forget a slight. And when you have this Lamar thing, you got the comparison, you got like Josh Allen coming in. Right. So we want to beat Josh Allen. Yeah. We want to beat the Bills. <laughs> so that one we took took on the chin for Lamar because we know Lamar is, I, most people know, like, Forget the stats. You're, he's entertaining. We, we watch him. Without we, question. We, we just want, he's entertaining. And I think that's the big deal in his contract is he knows he's entertaining. And, but they're trying to, oh, your stats, no Super Bowl, all right. this. Look, we don't, you're, I, this might be generational. I don't know if you could repeat this. For sure. 2019, MVP season, unanimous MVP season for your quarterback, Lamar Jackson. What was that like for you? Because the Ravens' history at quarterback is a bunch of Trent Dilfers and Joe Flacco's, like, statuesque quarterbacks. This guy was dynamic. And as you mentioned, entertaining. What was that like for you and your family, just sitting back watching uh, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks, and he's wearing your team's jersey? Wow. I mean, we. I remember one time I, I watched the game on Sunday, and... I was like, hey, we got a quarterback, and it was Joe Flacco. And then now I'm watching again, and I'm saying, whoa, we got a quarterback. Because I saw him in college. I couldn't understand why he wasn't drafted. And so... Um, why he wasn't drafted? Why he wasn't drafted, like, so higher? much higher. So... I got it on good authority that you you were a big fan of Lamar Jackson coming out of college, and I'll, I'm going to ask you why. Because that talent doesn't always translate to the NFL. You know, even though he was the Heisman Trophy winner, sometimes those guys flame out. Hell, the Ravens had one in Troy Smith, who won big-time college football, was a Heisman Trophy winner, but he didn't really have a great NFL career. What was it about Lamar in college that made you say, yo, this guy's going to be all right? His confidence and his he had very good control of his legs. Okay. Like, he knew where he was going. His movements were confident, and it, they were dynamic. So I saw the dynamics in his game and the confidence on how he used it, and I figured that can't probably change. Right. 
that's going to translate. So you're like, we hit the lottery here, Lamar Jackson. When, when my son woke me up and said, we got pick 32, I said, it better be Lamar. <laughs> that's cool. Ozzie Newsom's last draft that he, he ran too. And look, he got you guys a, a, a great uh, quarterback. That MVP season, do you have a favorite moment from Lamar Jackson's run? My favorites are always the flips in the end zone. Yeah. I mean, come on. You, you, they go, oh, Josh, I'm like, who's running 80 yards flipping in the end zone? Okay. <laughs> Scoreboard, all right? Right. So that it's, it's got to be the flips. The, uh, the, the running around in the backfield, that's something that looks like he's been doing since he was six years old. Yeah. So it's just instinctive. I'm like ducking down and – you know, putting going into people's arms and, yeah. you know, that's just instinctive. But the flips mm-hmm. and the runs, because I wanted to finish it, yeah. take it, <laughs> take it from a quarterback perspective. So I just think that's what sets the guy out. I mean, uh, there's car wrecks all over there. He's running around like he's still six years old and having fun and the confidence. I don't see, you know, anything. Um, I like his snaps. I mean, he catches balls off the shotgun. I mean, yeah. just like – People flying by. I mean, it's just pretty like a, a new look, you know, mm-hmm. just interesting that you can do it without any fumbles because I think early in his career he was dropping a lot and he got better with his ball security. The contract, Mr. Bowen. You just sat here and talked about how dynamic he is. I know that city, that that community is excited about this player. Unanimous MVP. But... The Ravens have yet to pay him. And I won't put it all on the Ravens. Both parties, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, have not come to an agreement. Why? Who's most responsible for this? How do you feel about this? I'm going to say a push on this. I mean, you're asking someone to put 280 in escrow. I mean, <laughs> I mean so, but again, he turns the city on, lights mm-hmm. on. When he shows, everyone's watching Lamar. I mean, he's he he's the show. Like not even league wise, Steeler fans. They, they oh yeah, he's the show. He's the show. So so I got to put it on the organization. You got to secure this talent. I'm securing the talent because nothing. This is like I said, generational. You're not what quarterback you're gonna get over here that's gonna uh, do that. But that being said, I I the escrow part is the one that gets me. But uh, other than that, you got to pay the guy. That's his value. I mean, you know, to me. I'll say this, though, Mr. Bond. You don't pay players for past performance. That MVP season, we got that for the low. We got that on the rookie deal. What he's doing now, we got that. So from an organization perspective, I can understand that situation, too. And for me, this is one of those, those rare instances where I think, like, I could agree with all parties. Lamar wants his money, his Deshaun Watson-type money. Even though that contract is an anomaly, he deserves it because I believe he's better than Deshaun Watson. But on the Ravens side, yo, he's a high risk. We don't have to pay him right now. Why? So I, I get the stalemate. Are you saying the high risk is um, injury? Without question. Well, I mean, most of the injuries, he got one injury. It was in the pocket. He he ta- He knows how to... to Take a hit, and already the statistics on uh, NFL careers are not that long anyway. Mm-hmm. So you you got like the high risk, and he's got I can't do this forever. Right. So this is just less lightning in the bottle right now. But what's my motive? If I'm the Ravens, what's my motivation to pay him if he's showing up every week to play? 
people watch by go to his games. So if I'm the owner, that's your entertainment. You can look at it as risk or whatever. He's saying right now, that's what's going on on the field. That's what's on the TVs. That's what's on the radios. But he's showing up, and I have yet to pay him, so he's cool. And the next two years, we could franchise tag him. I don't have to give him a long-term guaranteed deal, especially somebody that hasn't gotten it done in the playoffs. Well, if he goes that way, it was that two years maybe possibly right. could do that and mm -hmm. be insulting, but two years franchise, 45 mil a year. I mean, Lamar could probably look at it. If that played out, he probably would get, what, that's 90 million in mm -hmm. three years almost, right. 23 years. He's probably getting what he asked for, but there's still the risk of injury. Mm -hmm. So if, he, over, if they paid him that much money over three, four years, I mean, what's the 280? He's almost getting it. It's just not guaranteed. For sure. And I thought that was the route Lamar Jackson was taking. Like, yo, I'm just going to bet on myself. I'm going to ball out. I'm going to take the franchise tag, ball out, ball out. And ultimately, I'll get my money in the end. But the other day, I forget what was the last game they played, but he held up that sign that a fan had that says something that towards the effect. Real. Pay Lamar Jackson. To me, that felt like frustration. No doubt. Everyone can feel it. It's like the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. uh, you can tell, even if it, anyone, you know, it's like, it's, it's, there's a pride thing, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a respect thing, too. Sure. So you know someone's going to come back after this is over and drop a contract like that. And then he's going to be like, I accept it less. So he, I, I kind of get what he's doing. He, this going to be in your mind. Mm -hmm. It's going to be in your mind. You're balling out, giving everything you got despite having that in the background of your head. Mm -hmm. And I admire him for that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw Skip Bayless, who's on Fox Sports 1, who was actually a guest on the show. Uh, he said that some of his sources are saying that Lamar Jackson, he's not questioning his focus on the field, but in the meetings, he's kind of not engaged as much as he used to be. Showing up a little bit late every now and again, something he would have never done in the past. So it feels like maybe this first this may be a little bit frustrating to him because as you mentioned, it's about respect. Like, why doesn't my organization want to compensate me for the work that I'm doing? What do you think about him not having a traditional agent taking those meetings by himself, him and Eric DaCosta face to face? Uh, obviously, it's a groundbreaking trend. Mm -hmm. um, probably not the best uh, financially. Why not? I'm not sure I'm not in that business, but I'm just saying they seem to work out for with agents. I mean, sometimes agents do give you some good deals. But, hey, he wants to go it alone, groundbreaking. I like it. Why do you need an agent anyway? I don't right. even know. Right. Why do you need an agent? To tell, tell I mean, other than they don't tell you the bad things, <laughs> the, the, the hurtful things they say about you, right. that you don't go to meetings very attentively. Yeah. I mean, so why? That's the only reason I can think of, because does does... Oprah not sit in on her agent meetings? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Does do these others do stars sit on there? Do they just go go out and give me a deal and bring it back, or do they go into a boardroom and and break it down with them? Why can't they meet face to face to face? Why do you need an agent? Groundbreaking indeed. Groundbreaking indeed. And I think sometimes they they talk too much about the fact that he doesn't have an agent. You know, he's a man. He knows what he wants. That's an excuse. Yeah. to Do this. Excuse indeed. And, you know, just because it's been done a certain way forever doesn't mean that's the right way. In fact, the Ravens just got a new linebacker to trade, Roquan Smith. Yes. He doesn't have an agent either. Yes, I heard that. 
So y'all got two free-spirited black men in that locker. Let's see how that yeah, so how are you going to be like, you know, not down with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, go do what you do, young fella. Lamar Jackson is very interesting because he doesn't have a sneaker deal either. No commercial. Yep. He seems to be just blazing his own trail. And I'm just as interested about his business dealings as what I see on the field. Uh, Mr. Bone, I mentioned earlier, Lamar Jackson has kind of fell short in the playoffs. Yes. His very first year, that 2008, at one point in the fourth quarter against the Chargers, he had 25 passing yards. The year after that, he had that dynamic MVP season. The Ravens got ran over by Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. Last year, they lost to the Bills after some late turnovers. He hasn't seemed to be able to bring that regular season magic to the playoffs. My humble estimation. What say you? It's the finish. It's the finish. He's right there. He sees all those plays. He's, they're all in front of him. I can see. He, re- he reads them. Mm-hmm. It's just that one little just uh, inexperience or just I'm, I, it's so good I can't. I screwed it up. Uh-huh. The guy's wide open or something. It's just a finish, and I think if he 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 finish he does that. Now we got like a number seventy nine on the left side. He can relax a little bit more. You're gonna see more of that, mm-hmm. even without Bateman. But we've seen some of those turnovers this year, in these losses, late turnover against the Bills again in the regular season this year, um, late turnover against the Giants. When are we going to see him rectify this? Let me, uh, let me ask you this. How has Lamar Jackson improved from his unanimous MVP season? He got stronger. He, his, 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 his arc on his ball is getting more direct, mm-hmm. more slimmer A to B. Um, I feel like he's, um, he's pretty confident. I saw him for the first time yelling in alignment. But... <laughs> I mean, in publicly, but uh, I mean, it, it, it is all about the results. Yes, I mean, and it's all about the fourth quarter, uh, but I really would like them to open up the offense a little better. I mean, I mean, just with this talent, you, I mean, I hate when we play teams with four wides and they're doing crossing patterns on me, my trying to make my linebackers just block for the guy. I'm, I feel pretty confident about, about the season. Uh, I think it's going to – I don't know if you can stop this talent other than injury. Open it up some more. What does that look like? More passing? More uh, uh, more active plays. I, I need more movement. You know, it's, it's, it's enough to say I'm going to send three out and then just make Lamar uh, break down the play. But just – I don't want to know. When, when Lamar first came, I didn't know what he was doing other than – but now you, he's kind of getting to a, a rhythm – and I think that late in the games, they, they do adjustments on our rhythm. And I, I think it uh, – but basically, I just think Lamar needs to make those plays. He needs to make the plays. He needs to make the plays. Play, that he can do. For sure. Because I see them in front of him. For sure. For sure. But it's interesting you say you would like to see the, the, the offense open up some more. I would have the same criticism, right? I feel like at times the offense is impotent. They're being safe. They doing these little uh, college half handoff, uh, what do they call it? Quarterback read? Run pass option. Yeah, run pass option. Like it's Tommy Frazier and the Nebraska Cornhuskers from the 90s. And my frustration is directed towards the head coach, John Harbaugh. I call John Harbaugh MWB. What's that? A mediocre white boy. You know what I'm saying? 
He's not an offensive mind. He's not a defensive guru. He came up in special teams. Okay? Nothing about him exudes leadership. I think he should have been gone years ago. But guys like this get a pass because they win a Super Bowl. They get this lifetime pass. To be frank, the Super Bowl is not that important. Somebody wins it every year. You want to talk about the great ones? They have multiple. He is not one of those guys, right? And the offense has always had issues, and he's fired multiple offensive coordinators. When do we start to look at Mr. Harbaugh? He, who did he fire? Cam Cameron. He fired uh, Mark Trestman. Uh, Marty Mornowek didn't return. When do we start to look at Mr. Harbaugh? Otis Bowen, senior season ticket holder. What do you think of your head coach? He also fired, I think it was your former head coach for the Giants. Jim Fossil. Yep, he fired Jim Fossil as well. Um, I don't know, because there's a debate about sometimes coaches are, you know, feel a little insecure about the mind that they bring in to right. the area. But the creativity has been there, and I think it's because they have so many other facets of the game that are maybe – good. Mm -hmm. their, their special teams keep them in the game. Their running game keeps them in the game. And I think they try and keep it basic. It may be a traditional thing to where they're okay 13-7 wins. You know, but it puts a lot of pressure. And then, and then late in the quarter, late in the fourth quarter, you've played conservative in a passing league. Yeah. And now you're down by seven, even though you played a great game. And now you need Lamar. Now you need Lamar to bail you out. Play conservative throughout the game. And I believe that's why you see him going fourth down many different times because he knows the offense is much better, but they play conservative. So now he's going to try to go on fourth down to make up for his uh, conservative play calling before. And what game was that? Was that against the Bills when he went on, he went on fourth down? Well, he's been losing on fourth down a lot, so I lost – Point, but I think that was on the Bills. Tie game. Yeah. Should have went for the field goal when he has the best field goal kicker possibly in NFL history. Mr. Bone, what's it like in the house when you're watching these moments play out? Well, at first, when Lamar first came on the scene, we was we was just putting points. <laughs> okay. So now we was like, oh, this is the new thing, you know. And But now we know it's back to nail biter. Our Sunday's going to be stressful. We should be happy at the end of the game. So, I mean, it's just something we've accepted, like I say, back in the day, 13 ugly football game with that one guy mm -hmm. that brings the fun in it. Otherwise, you got the regular Ravens. <laughs> if, you, if you're keeping the coach, you're keeping your style, yeah. you're going to get rid of him? He knows that. Mm -hmm. He's the entertainment. He's the one that makes the games fun. Yes. We like winning, but he makes them fun. <laughs> and the reason I put it on Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, you on this one, huh? had, uh, for sure. Every Sunday I'm watching, I'm frustrated. <laughs> I'm yelling and screaming. Lamar Jackson has proven what he is capable of. Now, the offensive coordinator, if you go back to when Colin Kaepernick was dominating this league, when we thought he was the, the new prototype of what quarterbacks were going to be, the ability to pass, the ability to run, his offensive coordinator was Greg Roman. The same guy that is calling the shots from the offensive end for the Ravens right now. So even Greg Roman is proven too. The one person that has presided over an impotent offense for damn near a decade now is Mr. Harbour. And in 2018, there was rumors that he was 
they were going to move past him after the season. And I asked Peter King about that. He said he was he he was aware of those same rumors, but uh, it never materialized. And I think because 2018, Lamar Jackson came on late in the season, and the ownership said, wait, 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 wait let, let's just stay pat. And that's how Harbaugh ends up in that position. Mediocre. It's like driving with the parking brake up. Well, I mean, there was this debate. When, when Harbaugh was first considered uh, being hired, they wanted the offensive guru from Dallas. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that the, the Super Bowl win gave him, helped him, gave him some more lives. Mm -hmm. uh, but it always is a kind of a thing that, you know, to see a changeover in coaching. It's, it's, everybody kind of thinks about it, but it's so established in our minds mm -hmm. that Harbaugh, and he, he does a lot of psychology stuff and good talking with the media. Right. He's got the lo local media down and communications. They got good um, uh, publicists. You know, good publicity. So I he I just looks think the part. He looks the part. He makes people comfortable. He makes people comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, you know, you're making me think about it. I can tell you've yeah. given it a lot of thought. We Without just go question. for wins and wins and losses. MWB, mediocre white boy. <laughs> Mr. Bowen, two Super Bowl championships in the Ravens' history. Walk me through them. Do you have a favorite moment? That oh, is yeah. either one more special than the next. Talk to me. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, the the play, the play. Which one is the this? The play, second playoff game. The Which championship run? This team, two thousand. Two thousand. Okay. This made our team. Go for this it. This made our our franchise. Two toughest teams in the NFL in the in the AFC in the NFL. I would say played a playoff game in Tennessee. Eddie George and Ray Lewis. Okay. And Steve McNair throws pass to Eddie George. And I think the accumulation of all those years of getting lit up, got in the back of his mind, and just for one second he looked over and the ball hit his shoulder and Ray took that, ran into the house. I says, we, we win in the Super Bowl. Yeah. That changed, the, to me, that's the, that's the biggest play in the history of the Ravens. When he intercepted that from the, the drop down pass to, because we were, you know, we were just, you know, we, we won five games with no touchdowns that year. That's how heavy and stout that defense was. Yes. And those hits, I mean, the AFC North, I've seen many of um, players, running backs, come up with some slight injuries around the third quarter yeah. of games. You know, I'm working out the knee and I follow the. Uh, you know, the injury reports the following weeks to see who, what running backs did not play the following week after playing that 2000 Ravens team. Because they there put was, a hurting on people. Put a hurting on them. And I think Eddie George saw that, and that play changed our whole season. We went to Oakland, beat up Gannon, went, oh, I'm sorry, came to New York, which I lost a couple friends. <laughs> <laughs> they, beat the, they beat the Giants that year uh, yeah. in, in the Super Bowl. But hold on, this play. So Steve McNair, that was my guy, oh, Steve McNair. Man. He would end up being a Raven later on in his career, too. But Steve McNair throws a pass to Eddie George, and Ray Lewis snatches and goes the other way for, 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 for six points? It's, a, it's just a simple check down. It was late in the game. It was just a simple check down. It was late in the game, and he threw a check down to, to Eddie and... They had some battles, man. Eddie was a big guy, man. He didn't. He he was north and south runner, mm -hmm. and I just think after a while that muscle memory hit, and the fifty-two coming in caught him just for a second. And when he did it, he bobbled it a little, and Ray just said, "Give me that." 
Take Took it in. <laughs> the rest is history. That's how we got started. And I think a lot of people, you know, just because of the hard nose, it's, it's an organic uh, organization and they win ugly and people don't like it. So it's an easy team to root against. It's a very easy team to root against. First Super Bowl, four years after the team was established. What was that fan experience like? You remember when you watched that game? Uh, the Super Bowl? Or yes, what? that first Super Bowl. Man. What was I? How was I thinking? I kind of felt that we were gonna we were gonna win that game. I mean, they sent them off. They had a bus ride to the airport, and we helicopters following us like it's a car chase. Yeah. And um, so I kind of felt pretty strong that we had the best team. I wasn't really that concerned. And then when we, you know, started running up stuff, and I knew we had the best special teams too. We scored a touchdown, I believe, on special teams. So I, I felt pretty confident because we had beat everybody. That was our foes. We beat Tennessee. We went to Oakland. We had two road games to get there. So that was the strongest team I've seen uh, us have. We had bookends. You know, you had your, your number one and number two first draft picks ever in the franchise history on that team. Who's that? Jonathan Ogden, okay. number one. Yeah. I believe fourth overall. And uh, Ray Lewis. That's Ogden. That's uh, your, your GM you were talking about. Ozzie Newsom. Yes. Crushed and, it. And this is why I say I've, I've First been a, impressions. I've been a fan of the Ravens over the years. That defense, you said they won five games without scoring a touchdown. Can you imagine the amount of pressure that is going into every game? Like, yo, we got to perform because our, our, our offense is not giving us much. And they did it. With 40-yard kicks. Ray Lewis. <laughs> Squirrel dance. Ray Lewis, I'm going to tell you, I was a youngster, we were 96, I am 11, uh, 2000, I'm 14-ish. The first time I ever heard of Ray Lewis is when he got in trouble. The year prior to the Super Bowl, he got in trouble, uh, there was an incident, people died, he ended up pleading guilty to obstruction, something like that, we're we going to discuss that later, but that's the first time I heard of him. You know, and the year after, of course, all the eyes were on him, and he balled out. Yes. When did you first uh, realize Ray Lewis was going to be a franchise-changing player? I would say, well, I, I used to work training camp, so I saw the guy in training camp. I was like, this guy is a monster. You used to work there? Yeah, I did. I knew someone that does the, the, the stadium security, and I worked on the field. So the first year, I got like an inside view oh, wow. of, of how it was. So I saw uh, how good he was, and I saw his speed, and I saw he could run. When I saw that he could run sideline to sideline as a middle linebacker mm -hmm. with, with a bad intent, mm -hmm. uh, I was like, that's, that's unique. And putting out running backs. He was doing that. Lyman weren't putting those guys out the following week. That was Ray Lewis and those guys. What, come through the hole if you like. Mm -hmm. So when I saw that, I just said, you know, I didn't think about Andrew and anything. He looked like a robot. He looked like, a, like he could do this forever. Sideline to sideline. If you come out that backfield, that guy's coming up good. <laughs> so when I saw that, I was like, that's just intense. Yeah. I, knew, I didn't know how great he would be that. I just knew that we had a, a linebacker. Mm -hmm. I remember watching that Super Bowl, as you said, they beat up on my New York Giants. But every time 
or everywhere the ball was, Ray Lewis was there. Whether it was down the field, you know, maybe 20 yards, he would be in the in the camera shot. I'm like, yo, how is this linebacker everywhere? If it was a a, a a stopped run in the backfield, he was always in the middle. And I thought that was rather impressive. What did you think about him getting in that trouble? You know, I, that's something that comes up every now and again. People outside of Baltimore, you know, have their opinions like, yo, why was he caught up in that? You know, some people still hint that maybe he was involved. Maybe he's a murderer. What do you think about that situation? For the record, his suit that he wore that night has never been recovered. Are those the actions of an innocent man? Like, I, I was reading up on it. I don't know what to think. You know, I got dizzy. But that is rather peculiar. Okay, first of all, very lucky. He got very lucky. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the case went forward very quickly, so he he just got lucky. But um, I just feel you know he was he was coming into his own. He was down there in the fur cold, hanging out, partying with his bad people, partying with people that was down, that was you know had wanted to show him something. I I kind of feel like, and um, I think that the people he were around was trying to be protectors and trying to you know do some things and. Um, they, they did something that happens a lot in street fights. The guy has a knife, and you mm -hmm. think you have a fist. And that's and I think they uh, had a fight. Now, I think uh, Ray got something with that suit. Yeah. So every fan, every uh, opposing uh, fan that comes up to me and wants to talk smack, they go, where did the white suit at? Yeah. So uh, we all know about the white suit. I would like to know, where the white suit where is that's Those are not the actions of an innocent man. But I think it's convenient that we say like those guys wanted to protect the athlete. We assume that because he was the athlete. We don't know if Ray encouraged them to go over there. We don't know if Ray was in the middle of that. Because the story is maybe there was blood on that suit, and that's why it's disappeared. That's why I say lucky. <laughs> Very lucky, lucky, man. Very lucky. I don't know what happened. Uh, I used to joke and say, well, look, I don't care if he's on... What as long as you get out of work release on Sunday, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you need to do, man. Yeah. Ray Lewis, I—he was my guy when he was playing, but since his playing days, I—I I don't know, man. He—he—he he, uh, he got fired by ESPN. He got fired by Fox Sports. Man, like he was supposed to be this great motivational speaker. Like it, now, this stuff just sounds hollow at times. He spoke out against Colin Kaepernick. I don't really know what to think of this guy. Everyone gets old, okay? Right. So that just like a coach or anything, it's, 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 it gets old, man. You got like a new generation of people. The, the speech you gave back then, maybe not needed right. now. So and you're still giving the same speech. You haven't innovated it. You know how what you're platforming, telling people. What are you creating with that those same thoughts that you have? Uh, so I, I just think it just got old. We just moved on, man. I mean, he had his time. Uh, it was influential. It was it was needed. Uh, he put Baltimore. He helped to put Baltimore football on the map. I mean, sure. I mean, especially you, you took the team, gave it to Jacksonville. What's Jacksonville doing? Mm -hmm. Not Who, with this Jacksonville. Who's the better Raven, Ray Lewis or Ed Reed? It's like it's like picking between your children, huh? <laughs> All right, Ray Lewis. Well, you know, influential. Uh, Ray Lewis. Right. He was in the trenches. I mean, back, you know, we only got no concussion protocol. I mean, you know, that's that's football. Like, I'm glad I did not play that game. Mm -hmm. uh, but Ed Reed coming out, man, this guy's blocking punts for touchdowns, interception, no stick 'em. Mm -hmm. You know, just re scoring. 
scoring points. That's that's dynamic, like Lamar Jackson. Uh, that went on for about two or three years, about a couple years before they realized, okay, we need to address this. Uh, but I would say, uh, talent-wise, both. Influential-wise, I mean, Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis. Talent-wise, just 20 is just unbelievable. Ray Lewis, he, I think he is the better Raven. He, he probably gets top billing because of his talking points, more uh, voiceless. But if we say better player, I'm going with 20. Yeah, because you got to remember, Ray Lewis, we had some uh, – Sam Adams, I believe, was uh, Eric. Uh, I mean, um, Saragusa. We had the, the two ends, McCrary. These are guys uh, coming out of college. We had he had a good, so they they took took up space up front. Yeah. So all he had was the A gap, B gaps, you know. So they you know kept big linemen off of him. So he made dynamic play. So I'm not taking that away. Obviously, right. I'm just saying it was set up. You say how is he on all the films? Yeah, it's because they set that up. Mm-hmm. He's there waiting for the end. <laughs> so, you know. Another reason I get a nod to Ed Reed, I, I think he might be the greatest safety ever. Oh, I have that debate with uh, my Steeler fan all the time. He's saying Palomalo. I'm saying, dude, look at the stats. Let's just, okay, look at the stats. But the guy scores. Yeah. Palomalo, you know, he comes up, he tackles. You know, Ed Reed is to the house. I wasn't even going to bring up Palomalo. I was talking about maybe Ronnie Lott. What do you say there? Uh, Ronnie Lott, uh, still no concussion protocol mm-hmm. days. Uh, early in my my football viewing career, but I would just say uh, just a hard nose. I mean, just old school. I can imagine probably had the worst cleats back then. Yeah. You know, just hitting. That's they had a, such a good team though. Yeah. Ray Lewis was great, but I don't think he's the best middle linebacker. I, I don't think he's better mm-hmm. than Lawrence Taylor. No. No? Uh, wait. Oh, that's, that's a good thing. Lawrence Taylor, New York Giants. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go with it. <laughs> you got me on that one, all right? Got you. Yeah, I have to go LT. That's just crazy. Yeah. No no, no doubt, man. No one tells you, watch. Watch. I'm be in your face in just a second. Mm-hmm. And and does that. So uh, he, he calling his shot like a baseball player, man. So I, I, I give him that. But would you put him second? Yeah, he got a second. All right, so by a lot? Nah, no, he's close. He's close. He's Ray close. Lewis a beast. Ray Lewis a beast. If I'm being unbiased, I'm taking hey, out all the hey, things hey, I hey. said about his uh, his incident and the things he said about Kaepernick's style. He, all right, so Ray, good. if you heard that, I agree. The LT is first, but you right there. Right there. If you show up to a Ravens game, what jersey are you wearing? Just one jersey. You know, I'm not a big swag Person, I ain't gonna lie. Probably like I was just talking to that with my wife about how I um out of all these years I've been going to games I've probably worn a jersey like five times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say uh oh it's Ed every every mm-hmm. you you talk that's just legit like you can't anywhere yeah. he cool he's smoking cigars with his hat on he 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 cool on and <laughs> off the field. So it's just Ed Reed. That's one you can represent across the board. Men, women, children. How you guys feeling about Ray Rice down there? Ray Rice, oh, Super Bowl champion. I'm going to take a sip for that. Yeah, go for it. He was a force in the backfield for years. And then, you know, unfortunately he got caught up in that domestic violence incident. 
where you know video came out hotel lobby he hit his then fiance who became his wife and that was kind of the end of his run do you remember the first time you saw the video yes i saw it he had a moment of a possible redemption that passed mm -hmm. uh, but what he did was not good. I mean, he, he spit on her. I don't know if people noticed that. They think about the punch. Mm -hmm. But while she was walking to the elevator, she walked by him, and I saw him spit on her. Yikes. And then they went to the elevator. Mm -hmm. So I think something happened. It To me, it didn't seem like... But then when he... he that moment of redemption, like, oh, man, I don't know what I did. But no, he drags her out like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. That just put the icing on the cake. Yeah, it's a disregard. Mm -hmm. I feel something happened because I don't feel that's probably something that goes on. I just, I, I don't know if that, I just, I don't know. I just I didn't feel like that's something that might go on. Mm -hmm. Like that's one bad night. Mm -hmm. But his disregard just couldn't be fixed. Just couldn't be fixed. He was about to have, he was having his best, he was about to blow up that year too. Mm -hmm. Just before all that blew up that happened early in the season. Uh, but I saw his preseason games. He was on money. I think he was coming back from an injury. Uh, but I just don't think you can – I can't – I can't – the spit and the throwing his wife out of an elevator mm -hmm. like a bag of potatoes just – Too much for you. Too much. So you were okay with him that being the end? I, there's nothing I could do. Who's gonna, how are you going to fix that? It was a flavor, a flow all over the state, even amongst the fans. That you that can't be fixed. Now, what do you think about his his girl going into the commissioner's office with him and saying, "Listen, this was an ugly situation, but don't throw the book at my husband or my fiance. Like, we're gonna get through this, but please allow him to continue his football career and earn a living. Yes, for his family. So." I don't necessarily agree with with uh, the total ban blackballing, mm -hmm. but I understand what happened. I mean, it is this. Is, we don't make up the rules in society, whether they're good or bad. So um, I, I don't agree with you know banning someone for the profession. I mean, that's that's pretty extreme. Mm -hmm. But it was all got caught on video doing something really. You know. But I think how, I, how you gonna how you gonna fix that with the female fan base? It's convenient how they pick and, and choose when they wanna listen to the the spouse, the victim. You know, they ignore her and dismiss her. Oh, she's just a bad woman. She doesn't know anything. But if she was willing to go on a tour and tear down a man and talk to Barbara Walters and uh, Diane Sawyer and tear this brother down, they would have gave her every platform in the world. To me, it wasn't really about domestic violence. It was about tearing down a brother. Because oh. she went in the office and said, listen, this is ugly, but we're going to fix this. I believe that whole situation was exploited. If mm -hmm. you go in that, to, to that mm -hmm. analysis, uh, that it was in its infancy on, you know, you just, that's how y'all really do things yeah. in the NFL. That's what the commissioner is doing. Mm -hmm. That's when all that stuff started coming out, the uneven uh, types of punishments and stuff. So uh, I do believe that whole situation was poorly handled, mm -hmm. like, Oh, there's this videotape and not just just poorly handled the internal investigation. So 
I, I don't I don't agree with any of the stuff that's going on in the NFL office. But it's interesting that you say that you think he was about to have a big year. Oh yeah. I think it was easy to get rid of him because he was slowing down. He could no longer hit the hole like he once was. And they used him as an example. It wasn't a stand against domestic violence because if you look at the NFL right now, Joe Mixon has a video of hitting a woman, Kareem Hunt has a video of hitting a woman, and even at the Ray Lewis time. There was pictures of Adrian Peterson's son with whelps after him beating him. But they get to continue their career because they're still a force. I felt Ray, Ray Rice was a little bit older and he was easily discarded at that time. That's what that was about, in my humble estimation. You mean from the league's perspective or from the Ravens' perspective? From the Ravens' perspective. I think there was from text. The, from the Ravens' perspective, uh, I, don't, I don't find that to be. I just think that uh, Brashadi, uh -huh. uh, the owner... Just looked, I mean, it was um, it was pretty over. Look, I could even go and say some of the the the, the pros and the debate, uh, persuasive debate that I'm saying about Ray Lewis. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Ray Rice, and I'll be in the bar, and they'll be like all over me. Yeah. Are you crazy? No, 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 no. Uh, I'm like, yeah, but no, 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 no. So it was it was it was universal around the state of Maryland. So it it may have been like his fan base. Uh, you know, the, the Ravens fan base that he could have made that decision. But I saw him in preseason. He looked great. I was excited to see him. I think he came back from an injury or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, he looked great. He has his cuts. He was low. I mean, he, he, was, he, he was angled. So I, I assumed he was about to blow up to the old Ray Rice. Mm -hmm. But the video and, you know, when you got your female – because they got a good female fan base yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, the Ravens, if you look into – a if you pan into a Ravens uh, stadium audience, yeah. you're going to see a diverse group of people, mm -hmm. you know, black, white, young. They're all, it's a big melting pot. And not like New York City in terms of melting pot, but just, you know, when you look into a fan base of an NFL team, you know, mm -hmm. you can see a lot of, you know, generally the same income people. But you see in the Ravens, you see all kinds of people in their fan base. So I just think it was just the timing, the bad way they handled it. The horrible way they handled it. No rules. I, what are the rules in the NFL? What's the penalty for anything? Right. So it's all like subjective. So I just think it was the fan base that fueled that decision. Mm, gotcha. Both nationally and there. Because mm. uh, there were people like, no. But the bag of potatoes, that just killed it. That was it. That was it, man. Just, now that you mentioned that, that. The that bag was... of potatoes, man. If you wanted anything else, yeah. you come on, you can't throw like you have, that's your moment. Oh my God, what have I done? No, dang, people messing up my reputation. I mean, that, that's just disregard. That just killed it. That's crazy. So that's, that's always got to be the way. You throw your wife out like a bag of potatoes. Wow. I read somewhere that recently he was at a ceremony for one of his former teammates. I think Ring of Honor for maybe Jimmy Smith or something. Oh, he's respected. He, I mean, in terms of people still yeah. like him. They know what he was before that moment. But at that time, there's a, you know, punishment in terms of, you know, because it is entertainment. People right. have to like you. Right. You know, there is a time that, that, that it didn't work. But now, I don't understand. I, I like the guy. I, would, I don't know. I, could, I can't wear a Ray Rice jersey. Can't wear it. Can't wear it. Yikes. Yikes. That's the, well, if you want to that's, that's the real deal. Yeah. Real deal. Real deal. You gave us a moment from that first Super Bowl run. Anything stand out in the 2012 run? The F-bomb. 
What F-bomb? The F-bomb. <laughs> I, I named that. The F-bomb is when we're losers and we know we got a squad. And it's late. And we somehow have this moment to where Flacco throws, about to be sacked, and he's got a strong arm, probably like 50, 55 yards, throws it. And for some reason, all they had to do was just stay. The game's over. It's only like a few seconds. They mess up, and the guy gets behind him, and Jacoby Jones catches this bomb, and he's doing that Ray Lewis thing again. And I see in the stands, they saying, what the And I call it the F-bomb. Which, which, who did they play against? The Broncos. And this is in Denver? Yep. And the fans are pissed off? After that play, because yeah. they, they just... They just blew it. I mean, they, that's, that's our Super Bowl. That's how we got to the Super Bowl. But that, that, that play against the Broncos, that was kind of miraculous. Miracle. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced it's over. Mm-hmm. And then that happens. I'm like, how did that happen? Oh all, the def- all the Broncos defense had to do was keep the Ravens in front of them. The, the clock was going to run out, and they were going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would put that right beneath the... Ray Lewis, give me that play. Yeah. That's the, my top two plays of the Ravens franchise, one and two. Mm-hmm. Ray Lewis and the F-bomb. And I say that's why I've, I've cheered for the, for the Ravens. I feel like they've had an identity. They've had a toughness to them that has stayed the course that have uh, been passed down from Ray Lewis to Ed Reed, Ed Reed to Royal Suggs, Bustle Hart. And I feel that is now being lost, you know, especially with the addition of Roquan Smith. Like, he's the best tackler in the league, but he's not a raven. He's not made up of that same DNA. I remember there was a skit on ESPN, not a skit, but a a segment. Ray Lewis was showing Ed Reed how to prepare. This is how you be a great player. It's not just about your talents. It's film watching. I don't know who's passing that down anymore. It's lost. What was the brother's name? C.J. Mosley came to the Jets. T. Suggs is uh, retired. It's lost. Last year, you got you acquired Marcus Peters. The Ravens never did it with flashy free agents and draft. Pick, I mean, and, and trades. It was homegrown talent. And I feel that's being lost. Well, again, if you win games, you're gonna have ladder picks. Mm-hmm. So maybe back then, you know, those eight and nine, you know, nine and you know, nine and seven, you know, mm-hmm. seasons got you some picks. And, uh, you know, we did get a, two Hall of Famers in one draft in your first ever draft. I mean, how can you repeat that? Uh, you can repeat that. And I don't want to beat this dead horse. <laughs> Ozzy, you know, yeah. it's not just a skill, but there's a mental makeup. They was grooming them, Costa. I think they was grooming them. Like, back mm-hmm. to your said, I think they was grooming them. And it was the train that left the station. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, probably... Uh, yeah, the Aussie thing, but I don't know. The, tra- the tradition nowadays, I mean, the people are friends with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got, it's not, you know, I'm sure Ray Lewis wasn't hanging out with Eddie George in no. the offseason. Uh, but now everyone's in connected with each other. You're friends with them. They trade jerseys and stuff after the, every game. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to, to, to do that tradition over. And, again, that was the past time now. Mm-hmm. Now you got to get people's... Uh, Excitement to even go to the games. I mean, they, 
they'll go to the games where now we got like you know man caves and stuff so it can get watered down with all the other activity now that people do so and then trickles down to the athletes mm -hmm. and now your contracts oh my goodness one contract that's a life mm -hmm. so you don't you can slow it down as well so uh, i don't know if you're going to be able to, to to turn that over to um to the younger guys i mean i just don't really know how you do it but in terms of being a raven with with our new linebacker sign him he gonna be a raven. Sign how, him. How do y'all feel about Joe Flacco down there? Joe, Joe Flacco, like I said, went to work Monday. I says we got a quarterback. Mm -hmm. It was Joe Flacco, the guy who's old school, standing in the pocket. I mean, that was it was going slightly leaning, you know, with Michael Vick. It was, you know, we were getting more uh, mobile quarterbacks, but he was like old school. I'll, I'll do it. I'm not scared. Right. And they were. I, I just loved his uh, his toughness, tough as nails. Actually had speed when he first came out. Joe Flacco is loved. Joe Flacco is, is, is loved in Baltimore. Uh, and the comparison, you'll have to wait until Lamar's done to, to have a, a real comparison of what quarterback did what for our organization and what, you know. With Joe Flacco, magical run, 2012. Big arm, gets you to the Super Bowl, gets paid. There's, again, casual observer, there's not much Joe Flacco before or after the Super Bowl. Like, how do you explain that? Well, you know, like, uh, who wants to come play quarterback in, in Baltimore before Joe Flacco? I mean, I mean, we had no quarterbacks. We had Dilford, uh, which, yeah, we went to Elvis Gerback because we thought he wasn't good enough. But, we, you know, we even had um, John Elway. Refused to come here, so quarterbacks did not want to come to Baltimore. Mm -hmm. So that I get that it's not wasn't an exciting city. March of Broda, I, yeah, I don't know if you call that, but Don, John Elway, we had the pick, and uh, he says she's not, he's not coming here. I told him ahead of time. John Elway? Yeah, I think that was John Elway, wasn't it? Uh, no, not Elway. Wasn't Elway? Mm. Maybe Manning or one of those. No. Wait, it was yeah, it was I, I I think I am wrong on that. It was one of those quarterbacks that uh. Would not come here, but I just I don't I just don't think that it was their style. It was always defense, especially after you got Ray Lewis. Then you have our division, the AFC North. I mean, we got to stop the run. All their games, this wasn't a passing league, so he just just loaded up on defensive players. I mean, we had a great run. Uh, their defenses were were great. So eventually, I knew we had to revamp. We had to change over. To, to get, they didn't do it with Flacco. I mean, they just did it with a, a combination. Again, I think all, all three facets, you know, uh, special teams really helps our team. But well, how could he show that greatness in that championship run and then just be mediocre outside of that? I just, oh, I tell you why. I might tell my friend, freaking uh, uh, Steelers. What's the guy's name? The linebacker. Ah, oh, geez. Palomalo. Uh -huh. The Steelers stop our Super Bowl. Usually, back if you go from Flacco after that Super Bowl win, mm -hmm. normally the best teams out of the AFC were either us or the Steelers. Mm -hmm. You both can't go. Mm -hmm. So we were getting eliminated in key games by the Steelers. They stopped some, you know, just like the Knicks and the Bulls, yeah. you know, or something, or Detroit and the and the Bulls. Okay, kept kept getting stopped, and I think. Um, I'm just happy when James Harrison retired. <laughs> I mean, I just don't want to see that guy. And we had to play against him before. I say, pro, 
concussion protocol. So, um, yeah, I, I just think it was – and they didn't make the plays again, like mm-hmm. as you're saying now. The plays are there. Some people will blame it on the coach. I, you know, Billick, when he was here, he says, you got to make some plays. Okay, you got to make the play. So when I say and I see uh, Lamar with the plays set up, I can see him. I'm up in the stands. I can see the plays develop. And I can see it even at home. I can see that he's reading. But for some reason, some little glitch, a little behind, a little tip pass. And I think we're just getting beaty because I think we had good championship teams. I will agree with you. We should have more titles. Definitely. With Joe. Oh, and he dropped the ball. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but it's it's cool because I, I I thought he was just like a bum, but you said there was he tough battles against the, the Steelers. He we should have gone back to back. The guy dropped the ball in the um in the end zone. What was that guy's name? He had the DUI, I think, in uh, Cleveland. A uh, wide receiver. It hit him, and then um, uh, New England guy. He thought he relaxed. We were going to the Super Bowl. He he, and then Condiff missed the kick. Otherwise, we're probably going back to back. I was going to ask you, back what are some back. of your biggest disappointments as a Ravens fan? And I'm sure that Billy Cundiff kick is on that Billy list. Cundiff kick. 2012 against the Patriots with a chance to tie the game, to go into overtime in the AFC Championship game, and he missed it. That's probably the biggest. <laughs> you can't even. <laughs> like, I don't know if I have to think that much further than that one. I mean, that was the one that we were, I think. I think that was a back-to-back season. I'm pretty. Was that 2013 or something? I think it was the year before the Super Bowl because I remember Ray Lewis gave a speech afterwards. It was like, this is not the end of our season. I think that was – so it, it, it was like he, he kind of we, – We had a squad. We he had t- a squad. I think every year we have a squad. Now, somehow, here's the raising philosophy. We will draft athletes and make them football players. Nice. And that's how they do it in the draft. They go and try and get people – you know, that they can sneak around in a, in, a, in a later round and, you know, and try and make them athletes. And sometimes it fails, you know. You, it just, you know, they're trying to make a Hamilton our safety. He's a good athlete. They want to make him Ed Reed. And we, we, the jury's still out right now. He's, he's been, his playing time's being uh, demoted slightly. So they, their philosophy in their draft, I could pretty much say, is they draft the best athletes and they try and make them football players. I told you over the years, I, I found myself rooting for the Ravens many times, and it's been doing large part to their personnel. And one guy you guys had for a short amount of time, Steve Smith. Yeah. That was one of my, that's one of my favorite NFL players ever. He was a wide receiver who played for a long time for the Carolina Panthers, and then he Went played. Went to the University of Utah. Oh, did he? Yeah. Played for the Utes. The, the Utes. And then he would go on to the Ravens late in his career. He, he may w- have played under the guy for Ohio State. Was he there? Uh, no. I think uh, before he went to Ohio State, he played coach at Utah. But, yeah, Steve Smith, man, tough guy. Tough guy, tough Mr. Guy, Bowen. Man. When the Ravens let him – not the Ravens, excuse me. When the Panthers let him go, reporters asked him about the possibility of playing against the Panthers. And he said, if that happens – Get your goggles because there's going to be blood and guts everywhere. I know. I love that. Most athletes try to downplay most playing. Most receivers are not going to be going around saying that. Not at all. And most people try to downplay playing their former team like, oh, it's just another game. He lets you know that's going to be personal. And sure enough, he signed with the Ravens. They end up playing the Panthers. And what did he do? Seven catches, 139 yards, two touchdowns. I remember watching that game like, yo, 
I wonder what he gonna do. And he backed it up. That's back in 2014, I believe. That dude was tough. Yeah, I, I was just kept hoping, like, okay, please don't do something too obnoxious <laughs> on TV. You know, but I knew it was gonna be crazy. But I mean, like you said, a wide receiver telling you is gonna be blood and guts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a linebacker. That's just a wide receiver. You know, that still at the time goes across the middle. Big time. He he was across the middle or go routes. Big time. Big time. Favorite tight end, Dennis Pitta, Todd Heap, Mark Andrews. Okay. Heap was catching uh, brain damage passes from the <laughs> quarterbacks. That he, so he, the toughest one, Heap. My my favorite is Andrews. Uh, the guy can catch. He's tough. Um, Andrews is 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 probably your, our best tight end to to play here. Besides, let me get no. Let me get Shannon. Shannon Sharp. Like Shannon Sharp played a role in that. You remember yeah. he was on the two thousand team. Sure. He's the one that uh, they threw an out pass to. I think Ray uh, Jamal Lewis bounced off of Jamal Lewis's shoulder. Shannon Sharp took that for like sixty yards. Wow! Shannon Sharp got a ring here. He sure does. He sure does. Mark Andrews, I think he's just the guy that got the money. Todd Heap is the best. Pitta got the championship. Andrews just got the money. I, I've never, I've never seen and him and said he's one of the best in the and league. And he's benefiting from a passing game. I mean, you know, we we really Todd he had he was benefiting from a passing game, so his 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 openness is you know he's more wide open. Mm-hmm. Todd Heap's catching stuff, a linebacker within you know a couple feet from him all the time, usually over his head, you know that he has to get blown up. Right. Uh, but I don't know, man. If you can ca- if you're catching touchdowns, it's a passing league. Yeah. The guy has hands. He's uh, they kept with the, especially with the glove. Now maybe I don't know. Did they have really good clubs back then? But uh, he catches passes all the time, and he takes blows so much that he's out now from getting, you know, falling on his shoulder. He's not afraid to just smash himself into the crowd for a play. So, but I do think he's benefiting from the open passing league, and which is why I want him more open. Right. <laughs> I want him open. I want several choices. I feel like there should. Be, I'm not an offense coach, obviously, but I, I think we got too much with the guy at quarterback. With the RPO uh, offense, mm-hmm. I mean, you should be able. People should be running jailbreaks mm-hmm. all over the place. But instead, it's kind of more predictable. You know, they'll block off a. They'll they'll cover double cover cover a mm-hmm. couple of a uh, couple of patterns, and then you got like two options and one option in Lamar, mm-hmm. a dump off or Lamar. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk about pay the guy, look at all the sacks he would take. Go back. I would. They should have a stat for that. How many sacks did this quarterback avoid? Mm. And, and see what you see. Well, I be watching. Those are sacks, 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 sacks. No, they're not. He gets out of them. Out of them. And that's what the, he's saying. He's going, do you see what I see? <laughs> that's what Lamar is going up. He's going, dude, this, this is what generational, mm. generational. Isn't he a leading rusher? I mean, I mean, he's like fourth in the league, highest average rushing per rush. Come on, man. I'm not sure if that's Multiple necessary. Multiple back-to-back thousand yard, just generational. And I asked Peter King this. I'm not sure if, if we've ever answered the question, is the running quarterback a good thing? And we go back to that 2000 and, uh, 
13 or 12 Super Bowl. <laughs> when, when it was Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens versus Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers, that question was supposed to be answered that day. Is it the traditional quarterback of Joe Flacco or the new hybrid of Colin Kaepernick? And if we go on based off of that Super Bowl, Joe Flacco, the traditional quarterback, won. The running quarterback, yes, Lamar Jackson is near he, the top, he, he but won, is that good? He won, Joe quarterback, the traditional quarterback, won. But only by about 10 seconds. <laughs> All right, because they was right on the goal line. Gotcha. And honestly, I have a, a San Francisco uh, 49er fan. He goes, that was holding. And yes, it was. Right. It was, um, was it Jimmy Smith? I think it was Jimmy Smith held the guy in the, yeah, we, we barely won that game. The blackout really helped because we was blowing him out. But yeah, the traditional quarterback barely won because okay. Cap was on it. In the second half. You're right. You're right. At the beginning of this podcast, Mr. Bowen, I mentioned that your whole family, your household, your wife, your three children, yeah. the Ravens is is a big part. Do you have a a moment um, like maybe involving your family, you, your family, and the Ravens that, that sticks out to you? I don't know, maybe you were watching a baseball game, watching your son play baseball, you had the Ravens on your phone. Maybe one of your children was delivered on freaking Sunday, you in the delivery room watching the Ravens game. Is there a moment that sticks out to your mind? Ravens, you, and your family. Yes. When we surpassed that 10 seconds, we just went outside, me, my son, and my wife, just went out in the uh, driveway on the street and just started lighting fireworks and screaming. <laughs> In a, in a white suburban neighborhood. <laughs> so, yeah, if I got away with that, they don't even allow fire, fireworks in Howard County. Really? We're just lighting out fireworks and yelling. <laughs> just, just, yeah. I would say uh, that was a good moment because death was upon us. Yeah. I mean, they were about to score. It was over. It was the typical what he could prevent defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, that Super Bowl just went. It was like a football game broke out. Then a party broke out, yeah. and then a football game broke out. And a loss was headed my way, and then it, and it wasn't. So but in the uh, middle you know, of February or something, you in the driveway, you and your wife and your son lighting fireworks, we're yelling fine, and screaming. Yeah, fireworks, <laughs> we're screaming, bird calls, and, you know, no one bothers us. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's – but it can be – you know, some of those games, man, we the, – the fan base can take it hard. And if you put so much in it, you're going to have some L's. So sometimes some Sundays suck. Yeah. You know, you, you have, I'm like, why am I putting so much? They're just going to go out to dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I got to like cook. I got to go get some groceries to eat dinner. That's fandom. And so I'm like, wow. That's the life of so a I fan. Like, I, so I, I kind of like tone myself down a little bit. Look, it's just a game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't watch ESPN for a week. Wow. You know, because they're always on. And how about Stephen Smith talking about, that's an embarrassment. Come on, man. Come on. Who the, who the Ravens got? Because we're recording this before the Monday night game. Who they got on Monday night? I think it's New Orleans. How you feeling about that? Um, I'm feeling we got the linebacker just in time. Because you got, like, Taysom Hill, you know, coming up. I hear he's, like, 6'2", 220. Mm-hmm. He runs quarterback, running back, receiver, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, There's here. no way Roquan Smith can be ready to play right now. He just got to the organization. He may not know the play, but he's ready to play. All right. No. He, 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 he was playing in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that just says black and blue. 
mm-hmm. just just going there. I mean, just just playing middle linebacker, and that I would think he's he's ready. that already. Yeah. So I don't think he may not know the plays, but I expect him to. He's gonna feel. I think you're gonna see a difference. I would be shocked uh, if you do not see a difference with that guy in the middle of our defense, okay. and it should make us better because now we can really get out to him, get after the team knowing that we got a tackler behind us. Mm-hmm. You know, before you're like, oh, I went left now. There's a big hole. There's 25 yards. You got somebody to plug those holes. We got somebody to plug the hole. So I think you should see a, a big difference Monday night. But, again, it's the Ravens will probably be like 19 to 17. 19 to 17, okay. Won't be fun. Like, sometimes the games really – I'm like, mm-hmm. these is – they're fun, but when they're like that, it's not fun. So, I mean, till you win. Looking ahead – what would constitute a successful season for the Ravens? Super Bowl. That's where we are? Every year. I can guarantee you this right now. Nobody in Baltimore wants playoffs. Super Bowl win. Or bust. Or bust. Nobody. We can get to the playoffs. Okay. Super Bowl or bust. Every year. Because we already know we can do it. You know, you can, it's easy. You do it. It's, you can be the best football team. It's hard to win a game, but you can literally like, hey, I think we have the best team. Nice. We're the healthiest. And that's why I say, if I see how you're coming out in training camp and I see that you're healthy, I see a couple of games, especially with the way the, the practice limitations they have, you know, so you can be a little rusty. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you can, might have some injuries. So we su- survived those first five weeks to get our feet back because that's really kind of how they get back together. Right. And um, I just I just think it's Super Bowl or bust. Super Bowl or bust. Super Bowl or bust. Got it. Uh, Mr. Bowen, I appreciate you a great deal, sir. You got some shout-outs you want to give out, man? Oh, Say what's yeah, up to your yeah. people. Um, free Art Modell's legacy, man. Put him in the Hall of Fame. No. No. He mistreated Jim Brown when he was the Cleveland Browns oh, owner. Well, if you have information, I'm I'm open for it. Oh, great! Because you brought some stuff up to me. <laughs> right because I don't study this. This ain't yeah. my life. I just like it's a hobby sure. watching. Why Why do you think he belongs in the Hall of Fame? I'm just messing around, but he. No, I want to hear before you go. You okay. gotta tell me. No, Jim Brown retired. Many people say he retired because he wanted to be in movies. No, Art Modell threatened him, and he didn't want his manhood. Uh, compromise, so he just said, I'm walking away. Armand said, if you don't get back here, because he was somewhere shooting film, I'm going to find you. And Jim Brown was like, nah, I'm not dealing with that. And I think that's just the the, the, the beginning. I think Armand I mean, he's an older white guy. I think there's some oh, racist oh. stuff in his past, but... Oh, oh, no, that's that's different. I gotta, get, <laughs> I gotta jump back in my books. But was he good for the Baltimore Ravens? Well, I think he helped start some of the, the, the NFL yeah. films thing. Okay. I mean, and I... We watched it. Yeah. I watched it as a kid. You want to know sure. what happened back then? How was that? So if he started, if he started those archives, I mean that's that's pretty, pretty cool. significant, big time. Uh, then he he handed over a good team to a city mm-hmm. that wanted the team that got shunned mm-hmm. by the NFL. And uh, you know, put him in the hall. I'm just put him in the hall of fame. Uh, I'm just saying, <laughs> man, you can't put up NFL films and be like you did significantly. I mean, that's your whole history for sure. For sure. All right. But your stuff, I don't know. I'm going to look into it. I try not to dwell on it, but I'll look into it. You got to say what's up to the family, Mr. Bond. Any any of your people at work who's going to watch this? Yeah, what's up to my crew at work? My family, you know, I, I love y'all. And I wish 
some of, we weren't all Raven fans, so we could even out the pain. <laughs> but we are all Raven fans, all are extended. So uh, much love to all the, the the Baltimore fans, man. For you know, I didn't. I'm not from Baltimore, mm-hmm. so I uh, just much love to them for supporting their team and Super Bowl or bus every year, every year. Every year. Every year. You heard it from a season ticket holder, uh, the great Mr. Otis Bond. I'm William Holly. That's WBH Radio. Yeah.